Hey, this is Gary Manchaka. This is the Carry Us Through podcast, and we are back with Christian and Rob. We are doing Christian Living, Abuse, and Trauma. I do want to say the content in this episode is going to be a little bit more scary, challenging. It's I even want to say that it could cause some emotional responses that you're just maybe not ready for. It is going to deal with abuse and obviously the trauma of that. So I want you to be aware that going into this episode, the goal is not to cause you any mental distress or, or like, you know, uh, emotional response that's just harming to you. But we do want to talk about some stuff that hopefully brings some freedom. And also, I do want to say we are not professionals. We want you to seek professional help if you need it. We will do our best to point you to that help. However, we hope to encourage you to speak about these issues because abuse thrives in secrecy. So we want to make sure that there is freedom to discuss this with your pastor, uh, with your family. Like, don't let abuse thrive. You know, bring it into the light. Uh, expose whatever needs to be exposed. Um, we're going to start off. We're going to clarify a few things from the last episode, and I'm going to ask Christian to lead us into that. <laughs> uh, go ahead, man. Um, yeah, I, I, I felt... Like one of the things we talked about a lot of things, and and so a few things you know when you when you look back in retrospect, you feel like okay, like I, you could have just like we we had a little waiver right now, we could clarify some things that um, and I don't think that we did this at all. Um, I think we were clear, but just just so people know, uh, I know a lot of listeners have have a strong Christian background, most of the listeners, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of this subject matter might be new to them in the way that we're approaching. Maybe they've never heard of, um, you know, sexual addiction or porn addiction, or maybe, you know, they have in passing, but they've never really looked at it in depth. And, you know, as believers, we, we look to the word of God as the final say and we are um, we obviously believe everything um, that God said and we believe that God still works miracles that he is still uh, he's the same yesterday today and forever so nothing's changed uh, we do believe people can be healed miraculously um, and immediately and also we also believe because of the way we've grown up, um, you know, in churches and, and sort of believing that, you know, we tend to write things off, you know, when people fall into sin or um, we tend to cast sort of a, a judgment on them and we don't understand, you know, because we don't have, we don't have, we're not educated in that background. And I speak for myself because I used to feel the same way was like, you know, why doesn't this person should just stop? Like, they need to just stop sinning, and they need to do this and that, A, B, and C, and their life would be better. But um, on this journey of recovery for myself, like, I've learned that it's not that easy, and um, God doesn't miraculously heal everybody. Um, we know that as a fact. I mean, we know, we know people don't... Um, God chooses, he's sovereign. And so we're not condoning, um, like by speaking and using language like addiction um, and recovery, uh, we're not undermining the Bible, you know, that, that we're giving anybody a pass. We're not giving ourselves a pass right. for, for uh, our struggles and or any man or woman, uh, we're not giving them a pass at all um sin is sin um but we know that we have to understand this sin in particular because the bible speaks of it as probably one of um you know the i wouldn't say the worst sin but damaging the damaging to 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 the soul and um in in however uh whatever form it takes because everybody has a different vice yeah. Um, but it all circles around, um, you know, lust and 
that lust um, had started as a seed, you know, and, and so we just want to look at how the seed was planted. And that's kind of what we, the conversation that we want to have is, is like, don't write it off, you know, as, you know, it's just this bad behavior, unwanted behavior, but also let's, let's look at the why. And if we understand the why, I think um, as a church, we can, we can really help others. We can help so many people if we don't um, uh, immediately categorize people and we don't have grace for them and understanding. And yeah, I think, I feel like that's, that's yeah. it. And I think too, like I wanted to say for me, uh, sometimes what, what people hear is subjective. So what you hear, whoever's listening to this, it's, it's subjective to how you perceive it. And like it, some of the things maybe can be ambiguous, but what we're saying is not. So let me be very clear. Addiction is harmful. Like we all agree on that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So addiction is harmful. Uh, we're not condoning or encouraging addiction to pornography. It's not okay. We are attempting to create the conversation in hopes that the conversation brings about confession. And the confession being something as a Christian that, that leads to freedom and true freedom. So, um, yeah, we wanted to make sure that everybody's kind of clear on that. I don't know. The cool, the cool thing that I did message you guys, um, that when I put the episode out, I think I wrote you guys, and I said that, yeah, it went out to about 12 different states and um, 10 different countries, and a few of them were, I don't have listeners there. Like, I have the... Uh, this, the countries that I'm usually finding people are downloading is, you know, Canada, Germany, Estonia, uh, yeah, even Finland. Those are, those are kind of normally UK. But we had, like, the uh, Japan, India, Australia, um, and even Greece. Like, these are countries that I usually don't touch. Mm-hmm. Like, and so that was kind of cool in the sense of saying, like, I think people, this is a subject that people are looking for because if they're not my listeners that are normal, they're searching for it. They literally went in and searched for a podcast on the subject and it popped up. So I thought that was something that's encouraging because like, I, I do feel like one of the goals is to help people, right? Like, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I think like to see that, I was like, man, that's, that's awesome to hear and to see. So we're going to get into this. We wanted to talk about um, the past and basically both of you guys were abused um, right yes yeah. correct. so um, from me I, I was never abused directly nothing like that um, there was probably one memory that I have that I was thinking I remember I asked my parents because this guy was actually a child molester mm-hmm. and I was in a room with him and, and I, I have this memory but I don't remember anything happening. I just remember being in a room with him and feeling weird, feeling kind of like nervous. Mm-hmm. I was a little kid. I don't know how old I was. Under five, probably. Just feeling weird, like scared or something. And then, um, yeah, and then that was it. That was the only situation I could ever remember back in my childhood. Uh, however, I have family members that you know have dealt with abuse, um, uh, basically where. It was either a family member or a family friend. So I am familiar and and been around people who have been abused and recognize the need for just support, like just like being there for them to walk through it, you know, just to help, just not even to fix them, you know, because that's one thing I learned. But um, but yeah, so in, in all of this, you're probably not in the next part of this, this podcast, you're not going to hear from me a lot. Because I do want Rob and Christian, I want you guys to kind of just share your story, um, how, how the Lord really helped you get through it, and, you know, all the things that entailed, man. I, Rob, I really do want to hear from you first because um, I think yours was a little bit more impactful to even your whole identity, right? Yeah. Yeah, so let's let's start with you, Rob. You can just share. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... Uh... For me, uh, I remember being eight years old um, and being sexually molested by my older step cousin, who was twice my age. Um, and 
Uh, I remember, I, for me, it was something that I kept to myself for about seven years, so I didn't speak up about it till I was 15. Um, so I held that in for a, a long time. Yeah. Um, and the first people I told were my parents. Um, and uh, that was, it was pretty heavy, um, being sexually abused. Um, I can look back and I can, you know, recall moments in my life where I'm like, okay, this is why I struggled so much with my sexual identity. And even, I would even say as, a, as being a man, being male, being born male, I can even say that that also the sexual abuse affected me on how I saw myself as a man as, as my, in my own gender. Um, and it was pretty traumatic. I, I didn't, I wouldn't, oh, for anyone listening, uh, I would definitely say that it took me, took me years to heal. Um, but I will say this, when you learn to speak up about it, there's healing in your confession, there's healing in speaking about it. Um, but that traumatized me a lot, um, being sexually abused by the same sex. Um, it distorted my view uh, as a man. It distorted my view in my sexual orientation because I did struggle with, with my sexuality for years, being in relationships with you know, men, um, dealing with pornography, um, lust, and just realizing that, man, this, I want to say, and I truly believe that the root of my struggle comes from the sexual abuse as a child. Um, so it was definitely super heavy, something that was hard for me to deal with for years. It wasn't easy for me to talk about, but I know and believe that God was the one who brought healing in my life when I started to talk about it. When I went to pastors, when I went to leaders, when I went to friends, um, and that pretty much started the journey of my healing, being able to confess what I what had happened to me and realizing that I wasn't, it wasn't my fault. Because mm. that's something that's super huge to know. If you've been abused, you have to realize that you you uh, weren't the, you know, you weren't the cause of it. You have to realize that it wasn't your fault. It was something that had happened to you. Um, and the hard part is just learning to navigate through life and going through healing and also realizing like, okay, this happened to me, but what do I do next? How do I, how do I overcome this traumatic experience in my life? Um, but definitely for me, I would say it was, uh, it was hard. Um, distorted my view in my sexuality. Back then I identified as gay. <laughs> so that was like, I, that, that was a whole lot that I had to deal with, um, seeing myself in a different light because I, I thought the reason why I had same-sex attractions was because, okay, maybe I was born like this, but then I really can look back and be like, no, because of my sexual abuse, this is why, I believe this is why I struggle with my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Because my, in, in a sense, my innocence was taken away being eight years old. I didn't know any better. My, my innocence was taken away. Um, no, no one should, that should never happen to anyone. Um, I want to say that. and. If you're listening to this, um, don't blame yourself because it's easy to condemn yourself. It's easy to say that it's your fault or you were the cause of that because for years I felt like it was my fault, mm-hmm. even though I didn't do anything. Yeah, you were eight years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you shared with us last time, and man, it was like such a powerful testimony to me um, how you were at a, a church service and how a guy just grabbed you and prayed for you. Can you share it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I remember being at a youth conference, like young adult conference back in, gosh, I want to say it was like maybe 2016, 2015, 2016, um, at my old church and, um, we were having, we were, you know, the service was about to end. We were having an altar call and, you know, the spirit of God was moving in the service. And I just remember being at the altar. Um, and I just remember praying, you know, I, and that that time I was, you know, still struggling with my sexuality heavily and, um, with my identity. And I just remember the guest, we had a guest speaker. His name was, uh, Caleb Grant. Um, and I just remember I was praying and I remember someone like rushing up to me and <laughs> grabbing me. 
and it was Pastor Caleb, and he was uh, praying over me in my ear, and I remember him specifically saying, God is telling me to tell you that it is not your fault um, what had happened to you, that you are blaming yourself for what happened to you as a child, but it is not your fault. God is saying that it was not your fault to stop blaming yourself for what happened to you as, as a kid. And as soon as he said that, I remember instantly just breaking down in tears because uh, that's something I just really wouldn't share with people and, you know, feeling like it was my fault for it. Like, maybe I did something wrong. You know, I felt like maybe I did something. I, I, I deserve this, you know, you know. Um, but in that moment, when Pastor Caleb said that, I just remember God just setting me free from that lie that I had believed for so long and carrying yeah. that. Um, yeah, and I, that night I got healing from that, from just believing that lie for so long, feeling like it was my fault for the sexual abuse that had happened to me. I have a bunch of questions. Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know, because like, okay, so there's an artist, Jackie Hill Perry, you ever heard Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I follow her. So yeah, she she does one seminar, it was a lecture or something, and she was talking about, um, she... At one point, she was in a lesbian relationship, mm-hmm. and so she remembers going through like you know just God you know, delivering her and all these things, and she remembers or she basically said this: it wasn't the abuse, there wasn't abuse or anything that happened to her. Like she she said this, it was in her sinful nature to lust after a, 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 another female, mm-hmm. and so like I think that's that's an important important topic or something to address that in your case. Like, yeah, there was, like, some destruction there. Mm-hmm. Like, your identity, mm-hmm. eight years old, and you're taken, and there's some destruction that happens. Yeah. And um, someone like a Jackie Hill Perry would say, like, well, you know, I was never abused or anything like that. But I think there's something there to talk about a little bit when it comes to identity. I'll say this. uh Maybe you were not like whoever's listening to this podcast. I mean, maybe you weren't sexually abused, but you struggle with your sexuality. Uh, the cases, uh, if you you can still struggle with your sexuality if you weren't sexually abused, um, and then if you were sexually abused, doesn't mean you're going to be attracted to the same sex. Mm-hmm. So I need to clarify that because um, that's not the case. I don't want to say that's the that's going to be the case for you, uh, whoever's listening. Um, I just need to clarify that um, just so people know like okay if I yeah. you know is one, it, you, one right. yeah one is not yeah. the cause of the other always um, honestly it was just walking with God um, but ultimately it was just reading his word believing his word mm. believing what the word says about me um, and that's it sounds cliche right it's like you know it's easier said than done like yeah like you gotta believe all the promises and everything that God says about you but um, it's it's that one word alone belief if you don't have belief then how how would you expect to change you know what i mean it takes faith right yeah um for me it was believing ultimately what god says about me is greater and the ultimate truth about who i say i am yeah so and also not placing my identity in others but it's for like i'll say this it's easy for us sometimes like i would people who struggle with their sexuality i would say um we look to others for affirmation and for answers um but god ultimately wants us to run back to him yeah yeah Um, that's good we as people or as anyone when it comes to our our identity we run to the creation and not the creator yeah so we have it's like we do that all the time in our lives like when we struggle with who we are or what god says we are like we run to people for answers but the ultimate truth the absolute truth is god's word yeah um you see that all over the place you see that and and it sounds like super simple right but it it took me years it took me years like i i've been serving god for what now 12 13 years but i could i struggled with just believing what god said about me in my sexuality like i had to believe like no he has a plan for me that he created me in his image he knows my name yeah um he knew me in my mother's womb like i had to believe all these things too in order to uh like not you know continue to walk in my sexuality in homosexuality lifestyle 
Um, and even then, I also had to learn, like, the reason why I'm so confident is that I just, I, I know God, and I trust Him, and I trust His plans, and I just also know that even if you, there's, let me say this too, I need to say this, because it's super important, uh, if you struggle with your sexuality, um, and we said this earlier about pornography, but if you struggle with your sexuality, um, the answer is not being straight. And let me say, let me let me clarify this. It's right away we we want to we want like a quick fix. We want God to uh, change us, and God I believe God can do miracles like we talked about earlier, and, and God can move in that way. But I still sometimes at times I still struggle with uh, attractions. But just because I have those attractions doesn't mean. I, I'm a homosexual. That's just my struggle on earth. That's my struggle that I have to... That's like my thorn in my flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, so whatever... We have to learn to not identify ourselves by our sin, by our struggle. So that took me a long time to realize, like, okay, I may... Okay, I, I had to realize, okay, Rob, you have same-sex attractions. You, you, you know, you identified back then as a homosexual. But Rob, that's not who you are anymore. Mm-hmm. This is who God says you are. You, yeah. you know, you're a man of God. You are... My favorite scripture, I is I can't stop sharing the scripture. It's my favorite uh, verse in the Bible, and since I got saved, I keep sharing it. It's Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away; the new has come. Yeah. And I, I live by that. I even though I still have attractions, the my, the old Rob is gone. Yeah. yeah. Even you know, that that's not who I am anymore. Even if I still have attractions to men here and there, it doesn't I, doesn't make me doesn't make me less than doesn't make me uh, doesn't say that God is not working that God is not you know with me. It's just this is we live. We have to remember that we live in a broken world. Yeah, yeah. and I think Rick Warren uh, did a good sermon on this where he talked about same sex attraction and the idea of attraction is not the sin. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I would even go further like. I, I believe it was in the same sermon that I listened to, but I'm kind of like paraphrasing it that uh, if you take that idea of attraction being sinful, then every single man in a marriage uh, has committed adultery a thousand times over. Yeah. yeah. Because like you're attracted, like you're attracted to another woman and you're married. So the point is this lust is something different. Yes. The giving into the lust. Yeah. Um, uh, I think there was a I ever heard one guy saying doing the double take like you, know, oh. with, you see a lady she's attractive it's the second look that opens up the door yeah and I was like yeah that's that makes sense to me because it's always like you're you're looking for her to be something that she should not be and it's the same thing I think with same sex attraction yeah. you're looking for them to be something that they should not, not be they should not be so yeah man that's really good I, I think like everything you've said so far is could be like a podcast in itself yeah, help a lot of people, because um, it's such a huge topic that we're going we're going from you know, uh, really the abuse, the child yeah. abuse, into your identity yeah. and same sex attraction, and all these things. Um, I mean, this is this has been your life. This happened when you were eight years old. Eight. Yeah. And how old are you now? Thirty. Yeah. Wow. Long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. I'm sure it's been a huge struggle. Definitely. I, it's been a huge struggle. Um, it's been a struggle, but I definitely having the right people in my life, community, friends, leaders, pastors, has ultimately God yeah. that uh, has definitely helped that struggle. Let me ask you this, and then, and then Christian, maybe you can start sharing. But when you, in a church, what has been the most helpful thing like you, you touched a little bit on community. Mm-hmm. Like, what has been the most helpful thing coming from that community? Uh, so you mentioned this earlier, but uh, this is just this is just the reality. It's just like we're in, in community. It's learning to walk with people and not mm-hmm. trying to fix them. Like legit, I think whatever your struggle may be, or whatever struggle you know, if it's sexual abuse or if it's so, I mean, yeah. that community is there to help you. Yeah. Like, that's what the church is for. Yeah. That's, church is community. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and learn, that's, that has, I mean, community has impacted my life so, so much. And 
even in this season of my life now, community has helped me so much to just not hold anything back. Like just always be being transparent. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're transparent, when you're vulnerable, there's power in that. Yeah. So when you find your community, when you find, I, you know, in my church, we like to say your tribe, when you find your group of people mm-hmm. that you can be vulnerable and transparent with, there's, heal- there's also healing in community. So, yeah, yeah. that's good, man. Christian? I do have a, I do have a question. Or yeah. like, I guess we, you can elaborate on it. Because I, I feel when, um, like I was listening to, uh, I was doing a, listening to a book and the author was talking about uh, one of his um, clients. I guess he's a therapist, so he was telling his story, and he and about abuse as a child, and um, was speaking more on the idea of like um, the abuser or like the the predator. I guess in a sense, like almost like having like a a sense of knowing like how to target you know and and so in in that particular story you know the it was the it was the kid's uncle and the the uncle sort of groomed him and was giving him a lot of um, attention that the father wasn't giving him the father was kind of checked out mm-hmm. um, and so often like there's there's a lot of issues going on I think with, with the parental or like maybe there's also like, like there's always a setup you know mm-hmm. and I, and I wanted to ask you like what's what's your background with your family like were you know parents together divorce like what was home like because I, I, I you know like a lot of people who are abused as kids like they don't end up some of them don't end up living a homosexual lifestyle mm-hmm. they you know they they, they have the you know, attraction to the opposite sex, but they are addicted in a cycle. You know, they have a, mm-hmm. a cycle of sexual, unwanted sexual behaviors. And so I just wanted to ask you, like, what was the background for that growing prior to that? I, I says, and then maybe into your teens when you started to identify. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, thank you for asking that. And uh, I'll clarify this too, because we, uh, Gobble brought up, um, like, Jackie Hill Prairie, like, um, and you know her past and stuff and I'll say this uh, maybe you were not like whoever's listening to this podcast I mean maybe you weren't sexually abused but you struggle with your sexuality uh, the cases uh, if you you can still struggle with your sexuality if you weren't sexually abused um, and then if you were sexually abused doesn't mean you're going to be attracted to the same sex mm-hmm. so I need to clarify that because um, that's not the case. I don't want to say that's the, that's going to be the case for you, uh, whoever's listening. Um, I just need to clarify that um, just so people know, like, okay, if I, yeah. you know. Yeah, one is not yeah. the cause of the other always. Um, in my in my case, I truly feel that, but I'm glad you asked that question about the whole family because I also believe my family experience has to also take, has to do a lot with, my sexual um, identity back then and then also my struggle with homosexuality so um, pretty much uh, before I was sexually abused at the age of eight um, my biological dad and my mom separated or divorced uh, when I was four years old Mm -hmm. so I remember seeing my dad walk walking out from my life at four years old Mm -hmm. and seeing my stepdad come in right after my mom remarrying like literally a year later and um as a child i was just you know being a little boy i'm like where's my dad Mm -hmm. you know i remember so i remember him walking out and then seeing this new man in my life then being sexually abused um and then i i'll say this as well i just i to this day i still don't have a strong um father-son relationship with either my biological dad or my stepdad Mm -hmm. um so the lack of, for me, I would say the lack of having an emotional present father uh, affected me because as children, uh, sons and daughters want the affirmation from their fathers. Right. And uh, they need, sons, sons and daughters need to be affirmed by their mm-hmm. father. Yeah, That's part of uh, the creation of family that God created. And right. when, so, when sometimes, sometimes 
when someone has a lack of a present parent, that can lead, that possibly can lead to same-sex attraction. Yeah. Because we're looking, for, like, for I'll just say this for myself, um, being sexually abused and then having a lack of a present emotional father, I was looking, I can say this for myself, that I was looking for that affirmation through 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 my attractions, mm-hmm. through pursuing my attractions, and I had to realize that ultimately God, you know, being my Heavenly Father, um, you know, had to restore me in that, but definitely, yeah, I grew up pretty much, I did have a dad in my life, but emotionally he was not present, yeah. and physically present, I would say, um, provided, but wasn't really there, mm-hmm. um, but that takes a toll. That takes a toll, I would say, on a child's life when the father is not present. Mm-hmm. He can be providing and being here and there, but when they're not emotionally present, that affects. That affected me at least definitely a lot because I needed that affirmation. Mm-hmm. I needed that bond, that love. Yeah. So can um, you like? I I would say for me like being a father, like can you elaborate or bring like clarity as to like when you say, like I think I know what you're saying, but mm-hmm. I, I don't want to like assume or even for the people listening like then assume anything but the idea of when you say like an absent father like you said he provided for you Mm -hmm. so somebody could be listening that's a dad and they're like you know i take care of my kids i go to work you know they they have good clothes you know they have everything they need but they don't have like conversations with them like like what what is the thing when you say like the he was absent like or not there yeah so so when i say absent when i think i for me from when i say absent father for myself you see i i never really hung out with my dad Mm. so that's what i mean and mine was a little bit more of an extreme where it's like i would see my dad come home from work and like and then that was it and then the next day he would go to work so that's an extreme of like an of an absent father you just see your dad go to work and then and come home eat out and yeah and never spend time he never my dad unfortunately um never spent time with me and this is your brother. stepfather this is my stepfather okay yeah um so but, but just a question but yes. you, you just call him dad i call him dad yeah because okay. he pr- pretty much my stepdad raised me since i was four so i just call him dad okay yeah um but i, I will say this like um and like in the latino culture like uh most latin father like latino dads will um but they'll say like um yeah I provided like I was there for you yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean and I'm like no like fathers like uh, especially a, a, you know a Latino dad like your responsibility as a father is, is to provide but as a father you're also supposed to um, you know have that bond have that connection with your child um, and build you know that relationship over the years emotionally and when I mean emotionally I mean like having conversations talking about stuff, um, hanging out, um, those are things that a child, I believe, uh, needs. And for me, having that, not that connection with my father, I just basically just saw him there. I really feel like I, as a child, I longed for that connection, that affirmation from my, from my dad. I think I'm really trying to have, ask these questions for, cause I think I've met people who didn't have good dads. Mm-hmm. And um, they're doing the best they can, mm-hmm. but sometimes like I, I see them, and I'm like, why the heck are they not like? Your son's asking you a question, just answer him. <laughs> like, yeah. And and they don't get it, and I feel like yeah. that's why I'm really kind of like asking a little bit more questions. But I feel like for me, one of the things I aim to do. So my son likes, um, uh, he's into uh, some like stuff like toys. I'm not. I'm gonna say whatever. Cause it's probably gonna change in, like a month. But um, he was into Beyblades for a while. Okay. So with Beyblades, like I had never even heard of Beyblades, and then he starts, he gets all into them, and so what we would do is we would play together, only because I I knew to do that only because my dad played with me, like we played with GI Joes when I was a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's something that when you say absent father, are you saying like that was not there? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Like just that connection at all, like uh, emotionally, spending time. Uh, that verbal connection. Did he um, teach you to shave? No. So this is I honestly this is my my experience uh, is I would say it's pretty extreme. Like my dad, me and my dad didn't he didn't teach me how to shave. We never had the sex talk. Um, I mean he was there for my graduations, uh, for big moments in my life, but we never had like those 
conversations. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. Pretty much, there's just a lot that he, I would say, he missed out on. Yeah. Yeah. And in a sense, you've learned kind of like what not to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, like as people who are parents, like uh, they they just do their best they can, right? Yeah. And then, you know the way you grow up is kind of you repeat the pattern so the way whatever your experience was with your parents most likely that's the same experience you're going to have with your child mm-hmm. um, unless you try to like you try to like intentionally do do different or intentionally be better than what you experience like what you experience with your parents too yeah yeah, yeah. I think that's one thing everybody should aim to be better be better definitely yeah. Yeah. always you're just like like eh. <laughs> hopefully they'll be alright <laughs> like no. Yeah, I also want to add that, um, it, it it's it's also like a sense of security, to to have a father, and both parents around. I mean, yeah. both, both parents create uh, a sense of warmth and safety, and security, uh, to the child, and and definitely in those early early years of development. And um, when when one is missing or both, um, you know that 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 shapes that child's uh, like a tr- attraction style. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, you know, so like when you like f- f- for both of us, we we lacked a father figure. I don't know about you, but I I up until into this day, I struggle with self doubt when I'm about to do something new or like you know I, I always have to feel like am I doing this the right way like is this okay and I'm and I'm like I'm my, my body my brain is searching for like a, a voice like it's searching for like dad, is, dad right. is this okay like is yeah. am I doing fine and I, and I and I and I talk to God that way and I'm like I don't, okay God like like I'm really nervous like I, I don't know if this is gonna come out well. Like uh, I'm afraid of what people are gonna think about me. This and that, and you know, I, I, people are embarrassed to talk about like those types of you know insecurities. Um, but I think we all go through it to through through some you know to some extent. Obviously, like I'm it, 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 I'm speaking on it in a very exaggerative way, but like that's pretty much how it plays out. You know, in my head is this like. I don't know if people, you know, like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Like, what if nobody likes it? What if this? What if that? And so when you have, when you have that security and you have a father that's, that's with you, those entire, those phases, right? Those different phases from, from being a, a, a you know, an infant, toddler, mm-hmm. child, teen, you know, teenager, it's like, man, you can just take over the world. Because I've seen the difference in, in guys that, like, have had strong father figures in their life, and they're just, they're bold, and they're, and they're the ones that tell me, so what? You know, they're the ones that are like, yeah. I tell them, like, man, but what if this? And they're like, who cares? You know, I'm like, man, where did yeah. that come from? You know, and, and, I, and I have that, you know, I've, you know, yeah, we, we've all had to learn confidence from somewhere. Yeah. You know, but ultimately, obviously, it's, even them, um, you know, even someone growing up with a father can can get a little spoiled, yeah. and a little overconfident, yeah. and yeah. become a narcissist or be very just, you know, however big personality that, yeah. you know, tries to tries to absorb attention and all that. So there, there's definitely like a, there's another extreme, right? It could swing the other way. Yeah, it could definitely <laughs> swing the other way, and uh, but. Yeah. So, it, but it is very important to have that security, and so when you don't have it, it leads to problems. It does, and I'll I'll say this really briefly. Uh, it's important um, for us as men to know how to be a son. Mm-hmm. It's important. Um, that's why I I can't never stop talking about this. But the family unit is so important, mm-hmm. and um, not just physically but emotionally. It's important for sons and daughters to have present fathers and mothers 
because God created the family unit. Right. There's wholeness in that. There's, there's unity. There's oneness in that. And that's a reflection of God's character mm-hmm. and God's creation. Uh, that's his, uh, God created everything with purpose. And, uh, for men, it's like, imagine not knowing how to be a son and then you become a father yourself one day and then now you're fathering and, but you're like, man, I never knew how to be a son. Mm-hmm. And now you're raising a child and you're like, man, I don't even know how to be a dad. Yeah. So it's so important. It's, it's like twofold, huh? Twofold, yeah, and it's it's so important. So I wouldn't even say you're exaggerating, like it's being exaggerative. I think that's, we look for guidance. Yeah. If we need that guidance as children, um, either in our physical parents, through our physical parents, or I will, I'll say this, as through your spiritual parents, if you have someone that you can call your spiritual father or mother, um, definitely, because we need that guidance in our mm-hmm. lives. Definitely. At any stage, I'd say, mm-hmm. even yeah. as an adult. Yeah. It doesn't stop being when, you, when you're a child it's also as an adult because I would even say that even okay so I had like my dad um, I would say I think hitting it on the head is uh, it's a huge confidence booster because like for example um, you know I'm in ministry so I remember a couple years back I was having a conversation with somebody and they were like uh, well you're in ministry because that's what your dad wanted you to do mm-hmm. and it was kind of like man this, this person really believes that which is not true at all. Because mm-hmm. I remember having conversations with my dad, and he was like, hey, whatever you do, I'm proud of you. Like, whatever you want to do, I'm behind you. Mm-hmm. And so, like, ministry was not the thing to do to make my dad proud. Yeah. It literally was what I felt the Holy Spirit leading me mm-hmm. to. And so, in all of that, I recognized a few things that I had a confidence to kind of go any direction. Mm-hmm. Like, I could go into this field, aim for that, do this, and I would know that, hey, my dad's proud of me. Like, mm-hmm. I could go home and my dad's like, hey, man, I love you. Like, hey, walk home. You're hungry, you know? Like, you're a veterinarian. <laughs> yeah. I'm proud of you. Yeah, like, legit. Like, any of that stuff, because it's it's something that, for as a father, I think what he was doing was empowering me yes. and, and giving me the understanding that, hey, no matter what, you're my son. And I feel like that's something that I do try to communicate in, in ministry, understanding God the Father. Like, no matter what you're doing in life, like, you're his son. Like, he's proud of you. And to be empowered in that. Like, that you can walk in confidence that even if your earthly father sucked, even, you know, if he was lame or just a bad person, because there are bad fathers, Mm -hmm. um, that you can walk in confidence knowing that God is proud of you and walks with you and, like, is is there cheering you on because... He, you're his son. Like you're, you're walking in that place of sonship to the father. So yeah, go ahead, Nico. No, that was just great. I was just gonna say that's it's important to know your sonship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, I'll say this. Like since you brought up sonship, uh, and this, I mean, it, it doesn't have to do with your role, you know, as a man, or even if you know, as a female, of being a daughter. Um, uh, we all know the story of the prodigal son in the mm-hmm. Bi- in the Bible. And, um, you know, you know, he came to his senses and, you know, realized that like his father loved him regardless of where he's been, that he was just happy to see him and kind of what you're saying, like our heavenly father is the same, it's the same thing. Like our heavenly father is just proud of us because he cares for us. He loves us. He cheers us on. Um, but it's also important to know, uh, like we can, we can get to that place where we know that, but then we can also, uh, in, in, in our walk we can get like I would say like I guess a little bit a little bit straight or bitter and kind of get lost in that in, in our sonship like we know that we're a son but then we we forget that God the Father is like present with us and yeah. cares about us um, but yeah that's all I want to say it was just really short but it was really good that you brought up sonship because I think it's important to know that uh, that God is cheering, cheering us on especially when we have absent fathers or parents yeah. right yeah. All right, uh, Christian, uh, if you can please share, you know, just your story, your, your trauma, the, the child abuse that happened in your life. Um, yeah, just whatever you want to share, man. Uh, yeah, so um, my, uh, my background and my family, uh, as far as I can remember, uh, my parents were separated and you know, I don't remember them ever together. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what I came into, into, um, as a, as a child. 
so there was already that kind of um, dynamic happening in the family where it's like I'd see my dad on the weekends you know live with my mom uh, and, and it was kind of a crazy home life I don't know if you want to share about the details of, the, of what was going on in the home uh -huh. but like that was kind of it's 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 abnormal right I mean and it it um it wasn't uh it wasn't as bad as when I was younger um like when I was four you know like five uh it it, it progressively my home life disintegrated uh, because my mom's uh, like mental health disintegrated her emotional health mm -hmm. disintegrated over the years uh, there you know so there was always a lot of stuff happening uh, I remember you know I'd go to Mexico with with my dad we go to Michoacan and, and Zacatecas and so I left one year I was four years old and ended up getting sick. I, I used to I used to have trouble const with with constipation. I would I would hold my poop in and um, it got so bad that I, I, I got sick and so they took me to the doctors while I was there and you know they had to give me medicine and uh, a lot uh, yeah so they had to do a procedure and so I ended up staying there for over a year completely forgot in Mexico. In Mexico. Completely forgot English. And started kindergarten there, uh, and and I also like I mean this is a, this is this is something that I'm just kind of like realizing like I also look back and I remember my cousins and we talked about like families in Mexico and like mm -hmm. you know you know incestual like stuff happening but I do remember like I remember sexual language like mm -hmm. there like I remember hanging out with my cousins and they're a little bit older but like it was it was just there like the talk like the inappropriate right and I, terminology and term and so like it, it 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 um you know so like i i do remember like even as a child then like being very attracted to to women like not in like knowing what sex was but having this sort of like desire you know like beautiful like wow and like and really obsessing, you know, and I and so like I know that like a lot of that probably had to do with, with, that exposure then. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but when I came back to the United States, my mom uh, was shacked up. Uh, she was dating this this heroin dealer, and uh, living living in this little studio apartment, and um, you know I came I came into that situation um, and then about a year later uh, when I was six we were living we, we kind of moved out we got a bigger place she was still dating this guy um, we got raided by the police and so uh, my mom and her, her boyfriend went to jail and and I went to live with my dad in Palmdale and at the time my brother had already um, my older brother he's older than me but he's he's we're we're, we're blood brothers mm -hmm. um and i have two older siblings my sister and then our old our oldest brother and they're you know i guess they're they're half you know they have different dads so all of them have throughout their entire uh, phase of like living with my mom had moved out you know moved had moved out to their dads oh you know, okay. because of because okay. of my mom's behavior yeah but I was the baby. I was like my, my brother was nine years older than me, so um, he was already living with my dad. So moved over there, and I you know I know last time I, I talked about my first experience with pornography was was there was my cousin who lived down the street was like hey, hey you want to see something and we snuck into his older brother's room and he he put on a VCR you know a tape and you know it was like lesbian porn or something you know um and and it's crazy i mean i can remember that you know like yeah that it was that you know and uh um i wasn't necessarily attracted to it it just was very startling I and mean, i think like most experiences are where you're like it's frightening but it's also like intriguing and you want to know more you're like what is that 
like what are those body parts what are this and so that was like the first exposure um and then once my mom got out of jail um i had to go back to live with her and um we from that point on we jumped around a lot you know we moved out of state uh moved to tucson arizona or at the time i think we were living in nogales uh in this area uh called rio rico with my uncle and my mom's brother and he had uh, a son with his wife and they lived in this very rich area he's a very spoiled kid and um he was very abusive he was um he was very like spoiled narcissistic kid like i mean and um he he bullied me because my mom was gone you know my mom Mm -hmm. like at that point there was there was just so many points throughout my growing up that like my mom we would move somewhere and then my mom would just kind of drop me off and she'd leave you know she'd probably go on a bin you know a binge or something she'd get a little money or something you know um she'd hustle her way into some situation so she'd be gone and that was kind of the mo you know of, of a lot of my childhood uh the instability and so it, it was during that time you know where i experienced a lot of like just physical abuse um, verbal abuse bullied um not being seen or 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 let's believe you know like there's there wasn't there like i would speak out sometimes you know about like like hey my he's doing this to me like he's literally shooting me with pellet guns and and my somehow my cousin would uh, manage to convince my uncle his dad that i was making it up or something and so he would then attack me you know in, in a sense mm-hmm. like you know verbally and um tell me to stop making things up so it was a very hard time and uh you know we, we um you know my my experience with sexual abuse you know i minimized it for so long because it wasn't you know it, it wasn't like your your average i guess what you would assume is sexual abuse uh but you know for for my with my cousin he because he i think when i look back he liked power he liked control um and so he had one time we were playing with um would be his cousin or i guess our cousin it would be his sister's daughter and she was around the same age as me um you know he we were we were playing in the car and he's like oh let's play you know um like airplane or something i don't remember exactly but he was like i'm the pilot you know and you guys are the passengers and then he's then he proceeded to like direct us you know Mm. to do things and um you know nothing nothing in the sense of like there wasn't any we weren't didn't take out our clothes or any of that but um you know he made her sit on top of me and like make us kiss open mouth and put our tongues in each other and i mean it, at that age it was scary it was frightening but it was arousing you know and, and, it, and it definitely like it, it unlocked curiosity you know yeah it's it, I think what I read is that it sexualizes the mind at, a, at a, like a, an early age right yeah so like you, you begin basically you start out at a place you are not prepared to be I think, yeah there's there's a there's a in the song of Solomon he says uh, do not awaken love mm. before, before it's time for its desire before mm. before it has yeah you know and, and I think that's that's what happens a lot you know when we're exposed to things is that like this this sort of this natural thing right this desire for um, intimacy gets unlocked and we don't really know how to process it yeah, um, we don't know how, what to do with it. You know, we're not we're not ready for it. Our minds aren't ready for it. So, uh, and uh, yeah, so you know that that was my experience with with what I call now you know sexual abuse. Um, with 
obviously it, it had unlocked a lot of things, a lot of curiosity for me. So, you know, that, that happened, um, that experience with, with my cousin, um, and, you know, pretty much throughout my, my childhood and preteens growing up, there's, there's always been experiences of, um, where peer pressure would happen, um, with friends, uh, or, or just kind of like... this was like at school or... School, yeah, like school, uh, you know, like friends, like, and I know like to, to people that doesn't, you know, it's like, what, what's wrong with that? You know, like, cause I used to think that too, but I look back and I'm like, wow, that, that was, that was sort of forced, you know, these, these situations, like m- making out with girls, like being forced to, to like, like, oh, like you should do this with this girl and like, it'd be a friend, you know, whatever, like we're hanging out with these a girl and and you weren't ready but they were like pushing you right right and and you know or intimidating you know like oh don't be a faggot like da 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 and 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 so you're like okay and you're coerced and and I think it was a repeated sort of um uh cycle cycle you know I think that goes back to the family right you didn't have the family there yeah telling you you don't have to do what your friends say you don't yeah and it always felt like uh, like I had pa- I was powerless mm. right and um, you know or, or or like I would get into relationships like with girls without really like uh, not my cons- I don't know if my consent but I know how to I know how to stand up for myself like a girl would be like oh I think you're cute I like you and I'm like oh yeah, yeah I, I like you too and then, and then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well, you're my boyfriend now. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and then the girl, like, then putting, you know, sticking her tongue down my throat, you know? And I'm like, oh, my God. And then she gives me a hickey, and then I get in trouble. And a lot of stuff just like that happened um, where even though a lot of that, like, I, I knew about sex, I knew a lot, like, I was still, I felt naive about it, you know? And I, even though I thought about it, um, I still had a lot of innocence you know, yeah, and ignorance too, because no one was sitting down and, and talking to you about right. what's appropriate. Yeah, you know, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and let me throw this in there, just for the sake of people listening. Uh, if you're a parent and you're not speaking to your kids about what's appropriate and what's inappropriate, that's that's a big a mm-hmm. big no no. You okay. need to speak to them. And if you feel like, oh, I'm embarrassed. Oh, like I, you know, I don't, I, I don't like doing that. Well, let me say this: if something ever happens, you will regret it mm-hmm. because th- this is the thing. If you, number one, from what someone told me, if if you're if you're giving nicknames to your um, kids' private parts or genitals, and you're not calling it at, at anatomically correct names mm-hmm. uh, or medically correct names, what can happen is in a court case, the the lawyers then will try to disprove or prove the nickname that you've given the private part. So you're like, oh, I don't use the word penis, I don't use the word vagina, you know, whatever nickname you want to give. If something ever happens, then you're left, oh, you know, uh, we call it uh, winky. Is, is winky or ding dong. Then you're, the lawyers then have to prove, well, what is what is that? Yeah. You know, you have your child has to prove. So my main point is this: if you're not if you're not parenting your child and teaching them saying this is this is you know your this is your part no one touches it and you don't touch somebody else's mm-hmm. because kids have to be taught and so in all of that stuff you have to remember that as a parent you're you're setting your children up for success and failure and I'm not saying like you know you know that everything will be perfect in in the scenario of like you know you're doing your best as a parent you know what I am saying though is do as much as possible to create the protection, the security, mm-hmm. the freedom to discuss. The you know ask your kids, uh, talk to them. You know ask them. You know has anybody touched you? You can tell me. You know like you're not going to get in trouble. You can share the information with me. That is important. And so I want to interject that for any parents out there that if you're feeling like oh I don't I don't really want to do that, I'm telling you you need to. Yeah. You need to. That's protection. Yeah. That's part of parenting. But we'll go further with yeah. um So you're in this situation. Well, I'll, I'll add to what you're yeah, saying. Is, is that, and I, maybe you already said it, but 
if you don't teach them, the world is going to teach them. Yes, exactly. Um, they're they're the average kid. Um, 